wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave for the love of the game. And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, a Sons of Saturday podcast. Virginia Tech lost to Rutgers 35-16. to Wasn't too, too pretty, Rob. How you feeling, man? <laughs> uh, I've, I've been better. Um, you know, my wife said I'm at a different place with how the Hokies have gotten in that I was watching the game and I wasn't angry yeah. at all. There was no anger whatsoever. She was just looked at me and she was like, man, you just you look just sad and kind of depressed. <laughs> And I said, that's, I'm dead inside yeah. at this point. <laughs> there's, there's no more rage left to give. <laughs> exactly. Um, but can you give us a cheers? Yeah, I will give, well, I'll give a cheers because you and I have not talked about the trip and you going to the game. So I will assume it was a great time and give a cheers to everybody that went to the game. And I am excited for you to talk about it and see how things went. So cheers to that. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, it was a good day in Piscataway. Really fun, great weather, great people. Uh, the sons, Pat, Billy, Ed, uh, Juliana. There were so many people that were involved in helping organize and distributing shirts and making sure we had a good spot set up in the silver lot. So it was fun. I talked a little bit about it on College Football Monday if people listened to that. But I, I said people were kind of sad we had to leave for the game because because I think some of us knew it might not be super pretty. Like, but uh, I thought it would go a little bit better in the first half than it did. But lots of listeners came up, and you would appreciate that too. I sent you a couple pictures. Just that yep. uh, our listener Basil came through, gave me a bunch of beer to, to have on the podcast. Which some of it was pumpkin beer, which I'm excited to drink in future episodes. Um, yeah. But yeah, super nice guy. Chatted with him for a while, and you had gotten a chance to meet him before. Yep. And this was my first chance Absolutely. to meet him. Yeah, he's awesome. Our fans, awesome are, they're just, they're so, and I say fans, I mean tech fans, not our, our podcast fans. Yeah. The Hokie fans, which we do happen to have some podcast fans, the Hokie fans yeah. are so incredible, dude. Like so many people flew up, drove up from Virginia and the Carolinas and farther down South. It was just impressive because every single person there, I was like, Oh, where'd you come in from? And I was expecting a lot of jerseys and, and Philadelphia's and it was just everywhere. And a lot of the Twitter heads were out, you know, like uh hokey yeah. hack and Barrick and uh, 
Karen and Liz. And like, there was just so many people that came through and it was really cool. And I, I had thanked Kyler and Ann, two of the people that listened to our podcast and came up to me and many more. And so really thank you for one coming out to the game and supporting the Hokies. But two, if you showed love to the podcast, we really appreciate that too. Uh, good day, bad result, but I will take that. I, I would do it again because it was that, yes. it was that good of a day. Makes up for it. Yes. That's, uh, that's for sure. Let's hop into the AP poll before we get to our some of our hokey updates. Four ACC teams still ranked, no Clemson. And it's kind of funny because we got Florida State Clemson this weekend, and it's not a ranked matchup, and we're just you know three, four weeks into the year. That's incredible. And uh, Florida State got a, had quite a handful this uh, this past weekend with uh, – and Every my time. Wife, every time. My, my wife was – she said, "Man, you got you got to see this." And I go, and I said to her, "Man, Pete's going to be livid." Pete had this chalked up as like a forty to two you know, score uh, in this BC uh, FSU game, and it did not go that way. We talked. We did say though, like that line isn't right. Like, yep. they, and I just can't take it, BC. But man, they did it again. Still, eight teams from the Pac-12 in there. That's going to get filtered out as the weeks go on because we got some really good matchups this weekend. Florida is behind Tennessee in the AP poll after just beating them. That's a classic coaches poll move. You don't yes. often see it in the AP anymore. This is the type of moment that you want podcasting played nobody type content. And we can't get that anymore yeah. because it would have been great to have Godfrey bring this up and then have bill be so juiced up and get the advanced stats about why he's actually excited. The AP got it right or something <laughs> along, you know what I mean? Yep, yep. And, and say most people would be angry about this, but I'm just glad that people are resetting their list and then picking the best teams versus just moving up people based on who beats who and that kind of thing. So, uh, but wild. Yes, for sure. In general, I do feel like, the pollsters have gotten better. The AP pollsters in general. This is this is one of the the times that they didn't. Yeah, correct. This weekend also we saw a lot of ACC teams go up against Power Five teams, including UVA, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, and Pitt, who all lost, and then Syracuse, Louisville, UNC, and Duke, who all won. So at a conference, we're actually doing okay against the P five. The problem is. Tech and UVA are dragging everyone else down because they, between the two of us, we have four P5 losses out of conference. Yes, which is dreadful. Uh, I think it's, it's, let's put the rest of Virginia has more P5 wins out of conference than we do. Because JMU beat UVA. (laughs) JMU beat UVA. (laughs) Yeah. And what does it say about the other team from Virginia, ODU? Because they actually lost to us. (laughs) The state's state's a little bit on shaky ground because even though JMU did get that win, and I believe they're 3-0, their schedule is one of the weakest in the country. And I know that includes UVA, but UVA is not very good. And so – We'll see what happens with JMU as they get into Sunbelt play. In fact, we're playing a Sunbelt team this upcoming weekend. Depth chart injury update. Well, what I don't know how we're going to get through this year, man, because it just <laughs> it just keeps mounting. During the game, Jalen Stroman hurt was left. Uh, he left before the half. Keonta Jenkins 
didn't start. Caleb Woodson started for him, and Keonta's been banged up with a couple different things. Peoples didn't play again. Lane didn't play again. Tisdale didn't play, surprisingly. And Gallo and Jennings, we know, have been out. So we've got Wells, who he didn't play either. Um, I guess I should have said that off the top, but I guess it was pretty clear because Kyron Drone started. He and Lane are questionable for the next game. And I think the insider thought is that Lane's going to play. I think today on the press conference, they said Tisdale will play. Jenkins will probably play and Stroman is questionable. If we can get three out of four of those guys back or whatever it is, like that would be extremely, extremely helpful. Missing Stroman would really suck. Like I'm hoping that questionable turns into a probable, but even if it's just Tisdale lane and Jenkins, that's a step in the right direction. I would agree. And, uh, I, I say this as somewhat joking, but it's going to turn serious. Do you think we're at the point in the season that people are going to start going after the strength and conditioning? I mean, it's so early. People were saying it. People, like, no one's going after them. But even yeah. when Gallo went down before the year and we had those couple injuries in Purdue, people were starting to talk about it. Like, hey, what's going on here? Yeah. I think it's some freakish bad luck. I think yeah. I, I don't Which happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would feel that if you saw the injuries mounting in seven week, seven weeks, eight week, nine, that would be almost more of a reflection of strength and conditioning rather than a quirk, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause you're that supposed to be built up for the entire year. When you go down in week one or two, like is that strength and conditioning or is that just fluke? I agree. I mean, look what happened to Nick Chubb. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. That was awful. Yeah. But I think it's been eight starters that have been hurt for us and have missed game, missed time. And that is just on our team and our depth. We're one and two. And then then that adds up right there. I also saw that Pop Watson got suspended indefinitely from the team. It seems like a curfew issue. That's what's floating around on Twitter. I'm not worrying about it right now. He's he <laughs> he should he shouldn't have to play yeah. uh, anytime yes. soon. So uh, hopefully Pop can can fly right and get back. Yeah. <laughs> In the two deep that they put out this week, the depth chart, which was under a little scrutiny by yours truly, Lane is on there. Wells and Drones have the or designation at the QB spot. Yeah. You know that that pry he likes to keep it shysty. Uh, Tisdale is the starter at Mike this week, supposed to be back and. Delane is at the backup safety spot and at corner. So I would expect him to, to play at that, that safety spot during the game this week. Yeah. Depending on who's back, of course. Correct. All right. Before we get in the game recap, college football Monday was my first solo show this past Monday. I think it went pretty well. Talked about my fraud teams. Check it out. It's on the feed. The pick on leaders. We've got two teams at 20 and 10. So last week, you'll remember we had a couple teams at 14 and six. The percentages are dropping ever so slightly. We're going to get closer and closer to 60%. I would guess at the leaders right now we're at 66%. And that's Elvis has left the room and TK and James. You two are the ones that are in first place. Good job, guys. The game recap. This is going to be quick and then we'll get to our voicemails. Awful start, fumbled on the second play. Rutgers scored on the very next play, 7-0 on their way to a 21-3 to halftime lead. However, Jones brought us back, got it to 21-16, 
failed two extra, uh, failed two point conversion. But there were multiple drives in the fourth quarter where we just couldn't stop Rutgers when we needed to. They kind of sat on us, and they won thirty-five to sixteen. But for a better, more encompassing recap, let's go to the calls. Hey, Pete, Robbie, how the hell are you guys? Well, that wasn't good. <laughs> for not even a minute into this game, and I want the grind to swallow me whole. Matt Lofier, we have to stop meeting like this. Too deep, it's Devin. You know, I'm actually down south in Georgia this weekend because I had better things to do than to go to this way, that way, to scout away and watch us give up, what was it, seven and a half yards to carry. I regret absolutely nothing. That first drive, the fumble, all I'm going to say about that is I'm hurt. Gone are the days where we could just pencil in various wins and make hilarious highlight videos. Can you imagine how much CGI it would take to make our team actually look good? Kind of like the hurt that you feel when you have seven chili dogs at the state fair. And I'm still hopeful. I'm still hokey. I'm still hoping we'll be good again. My God, we suck. You know, I used to be one of those people that got mad after games, you know, like that we got our ass kicked. But then I realized, you know what? It's all about the tailgate experience, and damn, did we have a good tailgate experience up in New Jersey. I think you might just be a bad luck charm, bud. Yeah, so if you're thinking of going anymore, maybe maybe sit this one, the next one out. But on a bright spot, at least Jones doesn't look horrible. Unfortunately, everybody else around him does. I felt like we looked improved today. You know, I felt like Drones under center. Like he made, he, we looked better. Still, we suck. Turns out Drones can pass. Seems like he can run the offense pretty well. I feel like they've got some blackmail on, on Pry that the only way that they won't start well is if he literally can't walk. He should be promising. Almost like a Gerard Evans club. And maybe have something to celebrate? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not going that far. <laughs> Let's just redshirt. Like the players, the coaches, all the fans, everybody. That's a tough pill to swallow. Oh, this is going to be a long season, guys. Product on the field is not what we want, but you know what? We're still coming out, and you can't stop us, Hokies. A high-dose edible an hour before kickoff. It's excruciatingly slow and painful still, but God, is it a good time. Try to stock up enough alcohol to make the game next week against the Thundering Turds. You ever heard of thank God for Mississippi when comparing state rankings. Well, my new outlook on life is at least we're not Michigan State. And Pete, thanks for the hot dog. Great wow. calls, as always. Um, unpacking that just a bit. The, the state fair chili dogs <laughs> and that hurt. That was pretty good. That, that Here's the, <laughs> go the painful part is the calls get so much better the worse that we get <laughs> that it it's it's really tough for me on the inside because they get so much funnier the worse the Hokies are at football. And if we were really good, they wouldn't be as funny and they would just be all joyful and and they're just they're so much more clever when uh when things are just going yeah. very badly. That cannot be denied. Bill Dozer, you might know him from Key Play and his old trailers. That was the one talking about the videos and the CGI. I swear his message, it was probably over two minutes long and he went through all seven stages of grief. I swear to God, like <laughs> it was like, but you know, I think I'm still hopeful. Drones look better today. 
but we still suck. It was like a <laughs> denial, acceptance. It was all of them. Like <laughs> he hit them all. The whole thing. Um, oh man. And then you had uh, Sarah and Andrew called back. Uh, I yeah. I am I am bad luck. I am the reason we lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's because every time out. I see them down in Blacksburg, it's for like one of the big games. Oh, yeah. like it's West Virginia or it's Miami or it's it's whatever, and we lose. Part of the yeah. part of the problem is we lose a lot of games. <laughs> yeah, we lose, we lose and we lose a lot of big games. And we lose a lot of <laughs> and those are the games I want to try and go see us win. And uh yeah, so so there's that. I have to deal with that, uh that monkey on my back. Uh but yeah, the the edible call, I mean, gosh, it was so many good Hokey Hack bring in the positivity. Thank you, Hokey Hack. He was the one that's like we're coming. Hokies are going to be there. The tailgate's the reason we're doing this. Like I, I appreciated that as well. And then <laughs> three minutes into the game, and I want to want the world to swallow me whole. Like, yes, that was good. That that is it's so perfect. Ugh, if you want to get in on the reaction line, call five four zero two five one two one six nine. And here's a request: try to keep the messages on the shorter side because we're getting a lot of calls and me sifting through them. Be short and sweet. Make your point and hang up. I pre- but we do love you, Colin. So keep going. If you want to keep going with the call, that's fine. It's just not going to get in there. Um, I, I, the whole thing, obviously, I chop them up. But thank you for calling. Story of the game. What would you say the story of the game is, Rob? I, I normally kick this off. Why don't you give me your story? Okay, here's the story of the game. If you give, and I have this as my takeaway, but I'll hit it up front. If you give Jones the two starts before this game, which he should have had, I think the offense comes away with one or two more TDs, and I don't think the fumble exchange happens on the second play of the game, which was a miscommunication and obviously just kind of early jitters and him and Tootin trying to figure each other out um, from a brand-new quarterback that hasn't started before. And that puts the game at 23-28 or 30-28 with an actual win. And we're talking about the Hokies not being very good, having problems on the D-line with the linebackers and a quarterback that's still learning um, to to improve instead of talking about what's starting to become a bit of a dumpster fire. Yeah. Yeah, and that was my, my I guess, sub-story was that Chiron Jerones looked more than competent in this game. And and you're right because the way well started the ODU game, that was kind of what drones did in this game. Like those jitters early on, missing a pass, making some mistakes. If drones was able to do that against ODU, maybe he would have come back and won that game handily like Wells did. And then we wouldn't have dealt with that here. That's an interesting point that you make. We can tackle that when we get back to the takeaways. I would say the other one was just getting so far down in the first half. And another slow start for the team. It's three games in a row, in particular against Purdue and and Rutgers. It's a 17-point deficit and an 18-point deficit in the first half of the game. That's that's yep. really hard to overcome. And and you mentioned the D-line problems, like we couldn't stop the run. So somewhere in there, you got your story of the game. It's it's not being able to stop them when we need to. And drones looking competent, looking like a decent quarterback. Like he threw the ball. Better than I expected. Much better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to start with the defense? Get it, Maybe get that out of the way and then go to drones? Yeah. Right. Let's hit the defense because there is a good story in even in the defense that I think we can hit on. So let's do it. We'll get some, some negative and some positive. 
Well, as we said at the beginning, we are crushed by injuries on the defense. Our, our safeties are both inexperienced. We got linebackers in and out. That led to Rutgers rushing for 256 yards and 7.5 yards a carry, as Devin pointed out in the call. Only 302 yards of offense for Rutgers because they only passed for 46 yards. But they had six yards per play. And critical moments when we couldn't stop them made made those yards more important in those moments. Is that how you would assess it? Yes, I would assess it. The defense buckled down and really forced Rutgers into some tough three and out situations, some punts when they really did not want to punt. They really thought about going forward on fourth They and didn't want to give us the ball back. Um, but it broke down when we needed it most. And it looked a lot like we got we got overpowered into submission in the end of the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they wore us down. Um, and it's what makes it really frustrating is because before the season started, we weren't so sure about defensive end and what we were going to get there, but we felt good about defensive tackle. And when it comes to run stuffing, your defensive tackles are so important. We start two seniors and we got two senior backups in Kendricks and Payne, And so like, why did those four men combine for three tackles in this game? Why did the starters, Pollard and Fuga, combine for one tackle? One tackle yeah. out of our starting defensive tackles. That is horrible and unacceptable. Yeah. And and Fuga did kind of own some of that in the aftermath. And we'll get to him a little bit later. But like, I just can't believe how poorly our defensive line looked against this Rutgers offensive line. And you're like, well, maybe Rutgers has a really good offensive line. They don't. They they really, no. it's not, this is, is not some amazing Alabama offensive line here. No, it, it has, it improved and it has improved, but it is not, it is not great or probably it's borderline good and most likely marginal uh, at, at, if you look at it. And yeah, defensive line stunk. Linebacker still had a ton of of problems. And I thought the secondary played what played their asses off. I thought they they were flying around. I thought they there was some really good coverage at times. They obviously held it to forty six yards. Granted, Rutgers didn't need to throw because they had two hundred and fifty six yeah. yards on the ground. But I thought they they as a whole and and with the depth issues and injuries and all that kind of stuff they they played well that was my positive takeaway but i come away increasingly concerned every week when <laughs> you know i know that you know that we're going to run the ball on you because you've shown the inability to stop it and then we run the ball on you anyway right. and that is Frightening. That's what hurts, right? Because we we said it in our pregame show. I think every fan knew, like, Rutgers is going to run the ball. Their quarterback can't really throw. So just make sure he doesn't kill you and make sure they just don't pile up the rushing yards. And we couldn't do it. And I don't know exactly what the flaws were in the scheme. I know that the safeties, who are Mose Phillips and Jalen Jones, who really have no business both playing at the same time in a, in a starting Correct. situation struggled mightily with assignments. I know that. Yep. Um, and they, in that respect, like you would hope Mose and Jenkins, because they are an experience, 
their learning curve would be quick and they would improve quickly because they're learning so much so quickly because they failed so much that they will ultimately learn a lot. But that's going to take some time. We need some of these other safeties back. Like we really, really do because it is killing our run game. And the style of play that Rutgers likes to play is very similar to what Marshall likes to play. And I, that's why I go back to the seniors on the defensive line. And like, you got to give us more. You, you have to give us more than that. And I'm thinking back of just, does every upperclassman that was in here in the previous regime, like, are they just not good? Cause I, I felt like Kendrick's improved last year and Fuga was pretty yeah. solid. And like, what the hell is going on? Why is it so much worse this year on at the defensive tackle position and against the run? Like it is, they had, we had, and it's, it, it's, it's good for a couple drives and then it's yeah. dreadful for a couple drives, like six drives of 15 yards or less allowed five drives that went for touchdowns. It, it is yeah. like polar opposites. I don't, I don't understand it. It's very Jekyll and Hyde. It, what we're seeing out there and the, the part that almost sent me over the edge. And I think most fans were aghast was the third down and long where we stuff the box and, or the third down short that we stuffed the box and then their running back ran it for 45 yards for a touchdown. And there wasn't a hokey within 10 yards nope. of him at, at the line of scrimmage. I'm not talking about when he got past the line of scrimmage at the line of scrimmage, there was nobody within 10 yards of, of him because everybody went the wrong and took, took the bait on the misdirection. And, and I think that moment is indicative of what's happening with the linebackers, with the the safeties, with the, up front, is not a single defender read that correctly and read where the ball was actually going. Every single person took the bait on what was not very good fake uh, over to go to the right, and then it was just wide open on the other side, and not a single Virginia Tech defender saw the ball go in the opposite direction, and that's why he was able to easily run it in for a 45-yard touchdown or 35, whatever it ended up being. Yeah, it was it was a particularly back-breaking moment. It, it was, yeah. and to get fooled or miss your assignment or miss the read that badly it is it's tough. It's it's tough pill to swallow, <laughs> yeah. as Bill Tozer said in the call. Kelly Lawson put up the tackle numbers again, and I do think of anyone on the defense like he's one of the ones that's looking improved uh, over mm-hmm. year over year, game over game, whatever it may be. There aren't many there. Then I asked yeah. that question on Twitter this week, and I I was looking. You know, I'm starting to think about our defense and. I just talked about the guys who I thought maybe aren't playing as good as last year. Who's improved on this D since Pry got here? It's it's Peoples, but he hasn't played much this year. Stroman, yeah. Lawson would be one. Dax was yeah. better last year, I thought, than he was the year before. Jenkins was better last year. Again, another guy that's barely played. And yeah. if you go to the other positions, I'm just Yeah. We need it. Fair. Where's the improvement? Maybe a Burgos. You know, I I think Burgos, you could say, yeah, yeah, there's some improvement, but that's also where he was versus where he was. I mean, he he was a true freshman, like, or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know if that's improvement. That's just growing up. He got a year older. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, so I don't know what's going on with the defense. We've got a defensive first coach. We've got so many 
well-known defensive coaches in terms of our former history, a DB, uh, JC price, like all these guys that you would, Chris Marv, our coordinator, like that you would expect linebacker play to, to be solid. Like prize expertise was linebacker play. And Marv was a linebacker. Like where is the fight at that position? Where's the fight at? And I know the injuries are killing us. So like, I don't, I don't I'm just like, yeah. I'm just beating my head against the wall at this point, but no sacks in the game, three tackles for loss. Yep. No pressure on yeah. that front and no brutal. All right. Before we talk about the offense and drones, let's take a second to talk about our sponsor. Okay. Two deep Hokies under the influence podcast is brought to you by Roback. You guys know Roback because you've been ordering it and we appreciate it. They're a performance activewear designed for those who crave activity. Same polo company that has those VT polos. The Commonwealth is still on the shelves. So right now they're offering our listeners 20% off your first order with the code two deep VT, all caps, all one word, 20% off your order. They just, I just got an, an arrival, Rob. Uh, they oh. sent over a couple things uh, as kind of a welcome for us being a partner, and I might have something for you. But Ooh. the softest fabrics, I mean, this this hoodie they sent over, man, it is, it is nice. And the Commonwealth, it's as gorgeous as it looks online. Really, really good stuff. So use the code 2DVT. Get your hoodies, get your t-shirts, get your polos, your shorts, your joggers. Go to their site, load up your cart, 2D feet for 20% off your order. Roback, crave activity. There was a lot of rowback at the tailgate. I'll tell you right now. A lot. <laughs> I, 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 I like it. Rocket. I'm I'm very excited. That's uh what I I need a I need a new golf shirt, that's for sure. Nice. Um, the offense. We outgained Rutgers. It did not feel that way, <laughs> but they, they they didn't have the ball that much and they outgained us on a per play basis, but they still were able to beat us by 19 points. We kind of knew that getting down early, fighting back was going to be hard, but I thought our quarterback did a pretty good job in the face of that adversity. What was your your take on how he played? The running joke that we've all had, everybody has made it in a different way is uh, Grant Wells must be, you know, the Heisman of all practice quarterbacks, something to that, to that effect. I'll, I'll apologize for my expletives. I don't know what the fuck Wells was doing in the other games, but when, when I look at drones, he looks more poised. He keeps the defense on their heels because he has the ability to run, which made the offensive line look better in this game. It opened up. And I know there wasn't a lot of rushing, given that our leading rusher was him. Um, but the fumble, I'm letting go. So he did have the the one interception. He had what I'm calling a touchdown pass to Felton that he lost in the sun because that pass was beautiful. Uh, he had two other great passes that didn't get caught by receivers. So generally, I thought he protected the football for somebody that was starting in their first game and was relatively safe that way. Uh, I don't think his QBR numbers are indicative of what he showed as, you know, I think there's an asterisk by that in terms of it in the position that he was put in, not having um, been the starter in the first game, a couple games going into it. I thought it was exactly what you and I talked about, put him in, give him a chance. 
and see what it is because it can't be worse. And it was better than that. It was. Um, and I'm not saying it was lights out, but I, you could see when I, when I looked at him on the field, I was like, okay, this is a quarterback. This is a guy that looks like he is ready to play quarterback. That is a threat to defenses that can be versatile and he can throw the ball. He can run the ball and he can keep defenses on their heels and guessing. And that was a good defense. Like Rutgers has a good solid defense. I said their ceilings like a top five in the big 10. That would be a hell of a defense that would come in like right behind Iowa and Ohio state and Michigan. Like they're, they're good. And so for him to perform like that in his first ever start, I said, you know, you said like, oh, his QBR maybe wasn't as indicative of how good he played because of some of the drops and things. It was better than eight out of 11 of Grant's starts last year. Like that, like that's insane. (laughs) Grant was a three year starter at that point. And that's crazy. In his first start, he basically performed better than Grant Wells the vast majority of the time in his first start. And that's with a couple of fumbles and having to take four sacks playing against behind an O-line that may be worse than last year. Like it really may be. And so, and so um, I got to give the guy credit, man. He, he does look poised and Mm -hmm. that's all the more reason. What were our coaches seeing? Like, what was he, is he so like, cool and reserved that he doesn't seem like he wanted to play. Like, I don't, I'm trying to think about how practice is going for this guy not to get on the field. I I don't know. And that's what I said to you and Joe. I said, I'm just at a loss. And my, my, my wife is sitting there watching Ohio state. Who's like, you know, playing off the charts, their quarterbacks got figured out. They're playing great. And she's watching our game and she, she just looks at me and she's like, well, like, I don't get it. Like he looks good. Why wasn't he starting? I do a freaking Virginia tech podcast. And I was like, I have no answer for yeah. you right now. I have nothing. I have no explanation. And that I will caveat all this, that we could see him come out this weekend and lay an absolute stink. Sure. And he could have had one great game, but in this and it game, was just, let's, let's, all, and I know you don't mean great. Yeah. Like you mean, like it was a good game, yeah. but for a first time starter, you could, you maybe yeah. could call it closer to great than good because it was yeah. a tough situation on the road to come in like that against that defense and play like he did. Right. Um, and Despite the so, yeah. And I just don't, um, I just, I, I think he went in there and did what, you know, he was supposed to and, and granted that is also with out Allie Jennings and without Lane mm-hmm. in the game. Mm-hmm. So let's keep that in mind. So that is, if those two are in the game, and I think the offense is a lot better, even with the offensive line still being very, very bad. Uh, so and that's my two cents. We can, I know people are probably yelling at the podcast or their screens watching YouTube saying like, guys, we had three points at the half. And, and I know that. And, and our kicker missed a field goal. We didn't capitalize. There were some bad reads in the read option in our PO game by drones. Absolutely. He yes. was flawed. Yes. He looked like a first time starter at times, <laughs> but I still would say I would take what happened in the second half and build off it with him. than ever see Grant Wells play for us again. Like I, yeah. that's, that's, that's what I feel. Cause I feel like drones has so much more room to improve and get better and shake out all shake off all this rust or whatever. 
and and I agree uh, to all of those things. I, I I was looking at the run. There was a lot of times on the option that I was like, he was he was giving, and I was like, oh, don't give. You are you just keep. And or a lot of times he would keep, and I was like, no, you got to you got to give there. And he could have those could have gone for seven to ten yard plays on probably four or five occasions, mm-hmm. no doubt. But you know what the best way to figure out how to run the option is? To run to, the fucking to run option. <laughs> to be on the field running the option. Because that is that is who looking at and spotting what the defense is going, where they're coming in, where the linebacker's coming in from, who they're going to try and take, and handing off or keeping. That is an experience mm-hmm, item mm-hmm. that you don't learn in practice as well as you do in game situations and you'll you'll learn the reads but it takes some repetition it's it's a feel too and 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 that transition between handing the ball off and keeping it like it's all a feel it's all muscle memory and he will learn that as he keeps getting more experience multiple outlets podcast articles that i've read about the game and people who really know the program people like like French and people over on the Suns and people at TSL, they said Bowen did a pretty nice job scheming up the defense in this game for Chiron drones. You playing to Chiron drones' strengths and and putting a nice scheme together. And clearly 16 points isn't enough. But there were plays to be had that, that could have been had and the stuff we're just talking about. So if we can capitalize on some of those missed opportunities going forward we might start to change our mind a little bit on just like crucifying the OC because, and I, and I said this before this game even started, I said, I want to see Bowen's offense with a different quarterback because we've literally seen it with one quarterback until I can really like give him a severe judgment. And if it's multiple different styles of quarterback and multiple different quarterbacks and his offense still blows, well, then he's got to go. But what we saw in that second half, he might not be like the worst offensive coordinator in the world, <laughs> as, yeah. as many, no, many of our fans think. We've got to see it more with Chiron Drones. And, and I'll add one more piece to, to that. Um, just because you, you brought up a really good point where we only had three points in the first half. Okay, and 16 points isn't going to get it done. You know what else isn't going to get it done? 17 points against a Purdue team when in the situation where you don't have Lane and you don't have Jennings. So take out the ODU game when you have both of those guys. And then let's look at a Purdue team and a Rutgers team and a Rutgers team that has a better defense than that Purdue team. And we had 17 points in one game and 16 points in the other game. And by the way, in that 17 point game, in that Purdue game, there's no plays that I'm looking back at going, that wide receiver should have had that touchdown or that should have been a catch on the sidelines or that. that I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's my, that's my point is yes, it was 16 points. No doubt has to get at least two X. But what do we score if Wells is starting is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> it's probably not 16 potentially. Right. <laughs> um, right. All right. Let's get to our takeaways. Nine straight losses to P five teams. Now, Rob, the last win was, of course, that BC game. Poor starts in our games this year. We haven't scored in the first quarter on offense this year. I got that from Andy Bitter, and I guess, I mean, anyone could see it. I just didn't think about it until he said it. <laughs> um, not a ton of juice from the team 
in terms of like a lot of this this was the case back in like 2015 we used to talk about this it's like no one looks super fired up no one's trying to like high five their teammates like put their arms in the air like Dax would do and get the get the fans going i need to see a little bit more juice need to see a little bit more physicality a lot more physicality but the injuries they obviously haven't helped ed on the sons of saturday made the point on their latest pod that like most of the tackles at least half of the tackles are coming from freshmen on our defense. Mm-hmm. And that shows you where we are in our rebuild, but it also shows you our experienced guys aren't doing dick. Like, yeah. like as I said, with the defensive tackles, and that is what is so troubling. Cause I hate hiding behind. We are young. Oh, we're just young. We need to build. It's like, I see four seniors on the defensive line. Like what? Like, and so yeah. we had 26 seniors last year and we went three and eight yeah. experience and age isn't everything. And that might actually lean in to Ed's point. Like the people that are making plays and doing things on this team are young people. And the people that have been here and maybe weren't as talented as we thought they were are still here and they're not doing anything. And so I do find it hard to believe every single person that foo recruited and brought in under that regime stinks. I I just refuse to believe it. These coaches have to do better. They have like, look at the results from this past weekend. This is the last thing I'll say. You can say, say your takeaways. South Alabama beat Oklahoma state, Ohio beat Iowa state, Miami, Ohio beat Cincinnati. That's three G fives beating P fives. All of those G five rosters I can't imagine they're all significantly better than ours. They're probably not any better. If nothing else, they're probably about the same. And those teams managed to be coached up and go and beat power five teams. So why can't we beat a power five team in nine tries? Like it's got, <laughs> there's got to be a, an in-between here. It's not just the talent. And we, you can, yeah. I've, I've been having this fight for three days on Twitter with not fight even because Shelton Moss, I respect his opinion and, and he's like, dude, we are just, the lines are so bad. And he's not wrong because look what happened against Purdue on the offensive line. A Purdue yeah. D-line destroyed us. It's not the greatest D-line by any stretch. What happened on the defensive line against Rutgers, against a mediocre offensive line? Destroyed. Our trenches are so bad. And on one side of the ball, it's older guys stinking up the place. And on the other side of the ball, it's young guys not knowing what to do yet. Yeah, I would agree with all of that. Uh, I can't argue with any of it. Um, the tackling is bad. There's a lot of missed tackles that are happening, in particular on the lines, in particular from the linebackers. Um, and there's a lot of cleanup tackles that are having to happen. The first guy you know, missing or getting his arms, but not being able to take somebody down. And then... I look on the opposite side. We know Tootin's like a hard runner and nobody's having trouble taking him down, right? That we're not seeing it. You know, other teams are finding ways to make solid, efficient, centered tackles on people and bring people. And that's not a knock on Tootin either, right? Like that's what you're saying. Like you're saying people are just tackling well. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not a knock on Tootin at, at all because you can tell he's, he's running hard. This isn't like he's, he never goes down without a fight. Sometimes it takes, you know, three people to bring him down, but they're putting three bodies on somebody at the line of scrimmage to take him down. And we have one guy 
it feels like trying to take on running backs and that one guy is not able to to bring people down so it's it's a lot of frustration so but my my takeaway is it it doesn't look physical aggressive uh, dominating or intimidating certainly not at the lines is what it is and it makes the team uh, at least appear what in my opinion to the other side of the ball feel soft and build confidence and gives those running backs confidence that they can continue you know chunking off seven yard runs yeah. uh, over and over again i did like how josh fuga came to the podium after the game and was emotional and i said he kind of owned the performance and his statement was actually really good he paraphrasing he said they know they're bad and he's going to do everything in his power to try to fix the issues and they're going to keep coming and they're going to keep fighting and whatever you can find it on youtube it's on it's on the press conference on the hokey sports website but i hope so man I, I like Josh Fuga. I always have. I always yeah. thought he would be the starter, and he did outplay Kendricks over the years, and he got to be the starter. And he's a big, big body in there, and he's he's got to fight through this, and he's got to play better. I know he can play better. I've seen him play better. Yeah, him and Paul. Yeah. So let's we saw him play better last right, year. Right. Right. Uh, so I I'm, I don't know what's going on, but maybe this was just a bad game. I know the. Did you hear the thing about us getting in super late? Like they had all these like travel problems with the team. I did not hear yeah. that. The night before the game, I think they got in, got in super late because something went wrong. But anyway, I liked what he had to say after the game. Rutgers, if you look at their schedule coming up, this is just a random note. The seventh hardest schedule in the country, starting with Michigan up next. And I'm actually fascinated to see what happens in that Michigan Rutgers game. Yeah, that will. I'm fascinated. I'm also terrified. <laughs> yeah, because they so, they they probably feel pretty good about themselves, and now they're going to go play Michigan, and they're probably going to get smoked. Yeah, they're going to get smoked on both sides, and it's just going to make us feel really, really, really bad. It's kind of like when Purdue came into Lane and beat us, and then the very next week lost to Syracuse by 15 points. <laughs> yes, that's that. That's exactly what it's what it's like. Um, yeah, that, that vaunted, uh, D line evidently, uh, didn't, didn't hold up quite as well against Syracuse. Dino figured it out. I guess. Dino figured it out. Schrader figured it out. Anyway, let's take a quick beer break before we move on to Marshall. Clark Ruland did our album artwork, does a lot of work with the team. He came, stayed at my place so we could go up and back to the game. And he brought me a bunch of beer from old Salem. Brewing Company. Ooh, I like it. And he's he's a Salem guy. This is a hazy IPA called the. I, I'm so bad at arranging. Doesn't he like work there or like? Yes, like his, his buddy. His job is affiliated there? with the town. I don't want to give away too much, but yeah, he he works in Salem. Okay. Um, but yes, Smooth Operator is the name of this beer from Old Salem. It is a hazy IPA, six point five, right in my wheelhouse, and it is smooth indeed. The cool thing about Old Salem is. They do all of their beers are named after songs. And so mm. smooth operator, you know that. And then this is another one of theirs. And me and Clark had this over the weekend. It's called the Du Hast. And only 
only the real millennials <laughs> remember that's a good one. Du Hasmesh, and, it, yes. and it's an Oktoberfest, so it's very fitting. Oh, I'm, I'm showing the can on YouTube right now. It's a cool can. The beer was good. This was actually a really good Oktoberfest. I would I would recommend that one if you're ever rolling through Salem. But I got nothing but good reviews for Old Salem Brewing Company right now. They, they, I love they, it. We should have got that uh, soundbite to like turn off. <laughs> that would have been awesome. You know, so when I put the music on uh the calls when we put it in the podcast i don't do that for the recordings because i worry about the copyright stuff yeah and with the songs but on the podcast no one cares so yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. you just put it in there uh, maybe i could add a duhasmesh uh, a little yes. sounder when i when i finish this love it. let's move to marshall it's a nooner espn2 it's in huntington yes we are going on the road to a G5, as so many ACC teams have done over the years, the most of any conference in the playoff era. I just saw that stat today. Wow. We, we've gone to G5s 40 more times in the playoff era than any other conference to play to play a game. And this is why the ACC brand is what it is. Because we schedule it's, these it's G5 tra- games on the road and we lose. Because yeah. going on the road out of conference is a losing proposition. It, it, it just is. Yeah. But there is no there is no win in a scenario like that. <laughs> Nevertheless, Marshall, 63 in the FPI. They started the year at 66. One of the reasons they haven't moved too much is because they've only played two games. And those two yes. games were against a FCS team in Albany and ECU. And mm-hmm. that Albany game was tighter than <laughs> when I was looking back at their uh-huh. stuff. Like, that was a tight game. Yeah, and then this... My take is this isn't the ECU of old. This isn't Colby Dance uh, ECU of uh, <laughs> of days gone by. So, yeah, two only two games, which kind of throws off the stats a little bit. Uh, they feel like they should be more mature, but we only have two to go off of. Uh, but, um, it, so it is hard. We have limited data points. Let's put it that way to work off of with um, Marshall, but thus far. I think I feel as though this team and what I'm seeing from stats perspective, I have not watched the Marshall games uh, are is better than maybe what 63 in the nation or whatever that number is um, would be indicative of um, based on a couple things. Um, quarterback efficiency, not production efficiency has been pretty good, good running back play and um, I think that they uh, have gotten good pressure from their defensive line. So that's my high level. And then we can jump into some more of the details of this Marshall team. Yeah. Before we talk about their offense, I did just want to pull back and talk about the connections in this matchup. There's actually quite a few and I, I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds, but we know Grant Wells played at Marshall. Mm-hmm. JC worked there for a ton. He brought himself and CJ McCray over to tech Huff and Pry both worked at Penn State together. Pry's father, I think, played at Marshall. And so there's there's a lot of connections in this matchup. We've played them six times since 2002, winning all six. And if you, in fact, if you go back to the 50s, we won nine straight versus the Thundering Herd. The last win in Huntington was 2011. 
that was a very good Virginia Tech team that that won in Huntington last time. But yes, they're coached by Charles Huff, a guy that some of our fans wanted to hire at VT. I mean, that that's someone that we really liked. He's in year three, 18 and 10 uh, through those three years. And they have a new defensive coordinator. So last year, their defense was lights out, like a really, really good defense. He got hired away. They brought in the Georgia Tech linebackers coach to, to coach the defense. But if you'll remember at the beginning of last year, Marshall beat Notre Dame in South Bend. Mm. They finished the year with five straight wins. They've started this year with two straight wins. Yep. Fortunately, last year doesn't really count. <laughs> and <laughs> that Albany game, they were down 10 nothing, and then 17-7 to in that game. The ECU game was tied going into the fourth, I think. Yep. Or ECU was winning going into the fourth. They were up 13-10. to and so Marshall ripped off 21 points and the score looks better, but like those aren't super great teams. I know the ECU and Marshall is a little bit of a rivalry, but like, why are you messing around with FCS Albany? Like that, that reeks of like our Wofford game last year. Uh, I mean, some, some people would say, why are we messing around with Rutgers? But uh, the, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think. I don't think we're in a position to throw too many rocks here. Uh, I'm just, I'm just trying to give us reasons yes. to be hopeful. That, that's what I'm talking I, about here. <laughs> I agree. Um, yes, they should not have been down in either of those games. That said, they buckled down in both of them and won the games. Uh, so, um, but yes, I, I agree that they easily could have lost either of those games and shouldn't have been screwing around uh, with Albany uh, for sure. Let's talk about their QB. Yep. Cam Fran- I think Cam Francher. Go ahead. I, is that yeah, I guess it's Francher. Yes. He reminds me of the guy we just saw, like in terms of his like numbers and stuff. Yeah. So he he's sitting at he's got one believe it or not, again, there's only two games this season, but he's got one TD and one interception <laughs> on the season, uh, which is mind blowing. <laughs> Uh, either of those numbers, I would be fine being high enough, given this is our fourth game of the year. Uh, but he's got a 70% completion percentage uh, on the year, which I had to check that number three times. It's like 69.3% or something along those lines. Um, so he has not been productive, um, but he has been efficient, as I alluded to in, in my previous. Um, the rushing for this team has been the strength. I think, I think Cam is okay. Um, and he's been running a little bit. I wouldn't necessarily call him a super mobile quarterback, but he's got some, some yards on the ground. Um, but I think, I don't think the pass threat here is really what we have to be that worried about. I think things are going to be a little bit more hairy, um, on the ground, which seems to be a resounding storyline for Virginia tech right now, four games into the season. He played a bunch of games last year. His rating and TD to INT ratio, they all weren't good. This year against ECU, he put up a good solid QBR. But because of how kind of average he played in the Albany game, his overall rating is still a sub 50 in the QBR. So like it's, he's not great. And that probably means he'll come out. He'll be, he'll be good against tech, but he is eight and one as a starter. So even though the yeah. like his numbers really aren't very good, he doesn't throw a lot of touchdown passes, he's gotten the wins. And part of that is because they ride Rasheen Ali, they ride the running game, they rode 
the other kid, Laybourne, last year to yep. a, a bunch of wins. And Ali's a, a stud. I mean, 1,400 yes. yards, 23 touchdowns. Was that two years ago yeah. that, that he did that? I think it was two years ago. Think- uh, he lit it up and just three games last year. But he's back to his old form. He's 10th in the country in yards per game. Again, mm-hmm. two games, 222 yards. He's averaging 111 per game. That puts him at 10th. He's got five touchdowns. In two games, so. <laughs> he, so. He's very good. I will. The, the defense that he faced, not very good. I mean, their schedule is like 127th in the country. But he is mm-hmm. a good player. We saw it two years ago. He's been vetted. He's a good player. Their offensive line, this was another reason to be hopeful, gave up 10 tackles for loss to ECU. That is a, that's a lot of tackles in the backfield. And yeah. I pray that that's what is the difference between them and Rutgers. Although they can run the ball, although their quarterback can run the ball a little, this is not the same offensive line that Rutgers has. Rutgers really wasn't giving up too many TFL. This team is. Yes. But uh, and I'm not going to totally counter your point here. I think part of that is also because of how much Rasheen is rushing the ball because they haven't given up a single sack all season in the two games. That is not one sack. Yeah. So I think this could be because of how much they're running the ball, but we'll see. So uh, I am kind of wait and see with bated breath on whether they're offensive line is good or not. I hope they suck. That's, you know, of course we all do. Um, but it is, they design this offense around what cam can do Mm -hmm. and probably more, more pointedly, they design the offense efficiently around what he cannot do and what he's not able to do. And that's when they ride Rashina Lee and they make it work, which is smart. Yeah. And they have a good tight end. They have a, a handful of receivers that are back from last year that can do some things. So it's something to watch on offense. I just, I liken this offense to Rutgers in style and yeah. very much in style and, and their strengths of, of where the players are defensively. Wouldn't be surprised if the stats are exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like 300 and some yards or whatever. And, and like maybe they outgain us with those yards because this defense is, is kind of good. They lost a ton off last year's really stout unit. There's, but they're still being pretty efficient through two games. Fortunately, they're not third nationally or or anything. And I think it was yards per play last year. They were just like absolutely sick. Their top tackler is back. Eli Neal, their top DL is back. Owen oh, Porter, that guy, I feel like Porter's going to be an NFL guy. I mean, his yeah. numbers are crazy through two games. Yeah, and I think Sam Burton has three and a half sacks. Uh, their other defensive linemen. Uh, yep. So... They have 10 sacks on the, on the year. So, um, yes, they're, it's, uh, it's interesting though. The stats through two, again, I hate having two games to go off of, but their teams against them have been relatively balanced in both the pass and the rush. So it was hard and you, you're the advanced stats guy. You, you probably have them or, or, or at least know what they would be, but, um, it, it's tough for me to tell whether they're more susceptible to the pass or the, or the rush based on, you know, at least from yardage numbers, some of the high level, you know, not as helpful stats. I think they're, they're more susceptible to the pass would be my guess. I, I don't know because it is just such a limited sample size, but with Porter being the game record that he is, 
and having those linebackers. I like Mike Abraham. The guy has two interceptions already this year and they were both yeah. against ECU. Uh, but I think uh, there's a lot of depth that's missing here. And mm. we know about that. We know about missing depth. I think that we can expose them in the passing game and drones like the, the a rushing quarterback is the ultimate equalizer in so many, in so many ways. Because when you don't expect them to run on a pass play, maybe drones can get some yards. But I think traditional running is going to be challenging, but has been challenging for us against every defensive front. So they're going to have to they're, they're going to have to get creative. I don't think this defense all the way around is as good as Rutgers. I I, right. I even I agree. I it's probably so it's somewhere in between Purdue and Rutgers because yeah. I, it could be better than Purdue because I don't think Purdue's good. Like I really don't think their defense is good. I think Grant Wells like played pretty bad and we had injuries and it rained and it was weird. Um, this defense is okay. I think Rutgers is yeah. better and I think we can put up 20 to 24 points on it. I do think we can do that. How much does our defense give up though? Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's the and that all comes, yeah, that comes might. Uh, my takeaway from the game, and I know I'm jumping, but no, let's I'll, go to keys and stuff. Yeah. Mike is this game is going to, I think I have expectations that Joe drones is going to mature in his second game. And we're going to have a much more productive, not like hugely productive, but more productive offense and, uh, in product, actually touchdowns, actually scoring points, et cetera. That said, this game is going to live or die by whether the D-line and the linebackers can figure their shit out. Mm -hmm. Full stop. That's it. If they can, if they come out and they have a great week of practice and they iron through some of the kinks and they figure out why the communication's off and they improve, I think we have a real chance here. If it is the same of what we've been seeing, we could be dead on arrival in, in Huntington. I want to clear one thing up because we're both under the impression that drones will start and play this whole game, but yeah. there is an or designation on the depth chart. <laughs> I know. Do you think, what is your percentage chance that Wells starts this game against his former team? I can tell you what the percentage chance is. I'm going to watch the game if Wells starts and that's zero. <laughs> Thank you. That was good. No, I, that's not a joke. That was good. But, yeah. But it's, yeah, but and it, it's, it's probably really, true I'm, for a lot of people, honestly. I uh, I said it last game. I said if Wells is, I I said it before the game. I said if Wells is still starting, I said we do not have a shot at making a bowl, and I still believe that. And I I just I, and after seeing drones, I just I don't I don't think they're Wells justified anything in the first two games or anything he did last season to take the starting spot. No from drones after seeing that. So um, I think, unfortunately, I think there's probably a greater than 50% chance that if Wells is happy or is healthy, that he could start. Right. Um, and that that's yeah. troubling, but I don't think, I, the, the feeling is that he will not be healthy enough. But mm -hmm. that shouldn't matter. It really shouldn't matter because drones should be the starter, but whatever. I think we're going to see drones. So we're going to operate under that assumption. Yeah. I would say we are more battle tested 
just from our three games, we've played two P5 teams. They might not be the greatest P5 teams in the world. They've played Albany and ECU. So we've seen some shit already. And <laughs> we, we're not better for it necessarily on the injury front, but we may be better for it in terms of our game may be raised. Like they're coming off a bye, which sucks from a freshness perspective. But like the idea that we've been through these physical battles the last two weeks, like that might inherently make us more physical going up against Marshall this week. That's That's what I'm hoping for. Don't get down by 17 or 18 points in the first half. How about we score some points in the first quarter? That's one of my keys to the game. How about a field goal in the first quarter? That would be nice because <laughs> uh, we had two against against ODU and they came from the, a bad snap. Here's a question because this already happened once this season. Uh, does a safety count? No, does no, it has the, to come uh, from the offense. No, it? it has to come from the <laughs> offense. We, because we have we have had a safety, right. I think, in the first quarter. Uh, so no, I, I I said earlier it was offensive points. I need to see at least three in this game. I, I'm I kid, but like we cannot go down again. This team is not yeah. good enough to battle back and have the steam to power through. That's something Andy was talking about, and and I agree with that. We need Tisdale and or Strowman to play in this game. And Jenkins is, would be also icing on the cake, though I think Woodson is playing okay in his stead. Not yeah. perfect, but playing okay. The line opened at minus seven and a half for Marshall. I think it quickly popped to eight or nine. And then now the latest I saw was five. Or yeah. actually today, earlier today, I think I saw four and a half in the morning when I woke up. I wrote this down yesterday, but I think it, it was four and a half when I looked earlier today. So it's coming down a little. Some of the money's coming in on tech. FPI, I guess the ESPN, I think when they do their percentages is FPI versus FPI, right? I'm assuming that's mm-hmm. how they figure out their percentages. They have it as a 67.3% chance of Marshall winning. Yeah, so two thirds, two thirds chance that Marshall gets the win. Thirty-seven percent for us. That seems about right. <laughs> like, that, I mean, like in I, my head, it seems about right. I thought it might have been. I, I, I have a note that I thought that I was a little bit generous for the Hokies. <laughs> well, I would say this: as an observer of lines for many years, the line movement. Is good. They suggest at yeah. least that we might be competitive. I, you know, yeah, that's just right. That, that that's a that's a Vegas line watching judgment. But it's not going to be easy. And the way de- the defense is playing and the injuries, Jones is going to have to play really well to win. But I think we can win. And I know that's you can win a lot of games, right? But I actually. College football has this way of swinging back and forth. And I said this last year when we were on our losing streak. I knew we were going to get somebody eventually. And when we went into that Liberty game, we were nine or 10 point underdogs. I was with a bunch of friends that weekend. Absolutely everyone thought we were going to get killed because of the record. And that's how people are. What they've seen is what they believe to happen coming up soon. And college football just doesn't work that way. All of a sudden... You have a team that overachieves in a game. We have not overachieved often. We really haven't, not yeah. under this staff. But going into Huntington and getting a win would be really, really helpful for everyone associated with the program and the fan base. Yes. 
and my mental health <laughs> as well. So let's do our picks. And before we do that, the 2D Pokies Under the Influence podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's the only daily fantasy app that allows you to make plays with the Hokies. Find a Hokie who's healthy and you can make a play with that Hokie. Lots of opportunities to get money in your pocket, whether it's NFL, MLB, college football, but it's cool because no other fantasy app is going to allow you to make a play with Jalen Lane if he's out there. So download the Prize Picks app today. Use code Memory Lane, all one word, for a deposit match up to $100. I just know one of our listeners just used this the other day and, and gave us a shout out. Deposit match up to $100. Use code Memory Lane. Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. I got some good ones on the slate this week, Rob. Yeah, you do. Rutgers at Michigan. We're going to start with this one just because we played Rutgers. The other games are better. But Michigan, 25 and a half point favorites at home against the team that just beat us. What are you feeling on that one? I think this is going to be one of those games where it's kind of close for about a quarter and a half. And we're all like, okay, all right. I think maybe Rutgers has got something. And then Michigan wins by like 40. Yeah. So I, uh, it's a crock potting, right? That, that, that's what this is going to be. And I'm going to take Michigan as well. Yeah. Colorado at Oregon, Oregon, 20 and a half point favorites against the team that just escaped against Colorado state. It's a big line. It's a big line. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Colorado. I'm going to go Oregon. I think the injury to Travis Hunter catches up Colorado state low key. Not a good team, really. Like right. not a very good team at all. And mm-hmm. Colorado barely beat them, and they beat Nebraska. It's a huge in-state rivalry, it, though. You, those Colorado, you, you're, <laughs> but it it is it is. There was a lot of chirping yeah. and rivalries. We know that. Throw them out the window, Robbie. Throw those records out. Yeah. But like, come on. They they shouldn't have struggled in that game. They shouldn't have been down in no. that game. And uh, I was also and Oregon's uh, kind of in jest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Colorado and Colorado State in terms of the rivalries is like not not exactly in like the top the top of the no. the top twenty five. So because it's like it is still in state. It would be like calling us and ODU a rivalry, which it kind of is, but like it shouldn't be because we're in the power conference and they're in the lower conference. Like and with as loaded with talent as Colorado is, that game shouldn't have been close. Correct. Colorado impressed me when they went to TCU and won, but I don't think with their lines of scrimmage and with Travis Hunter out that they're going to cover the spread. I'm taking Oregon UCLA at Utah, Utah, five and a half point favorites at home. I will go first this time. I'm going to take chip Kelly to cover. I don't think UCLA wins the game, but I think it comes down to a field goal. I have UCLA covering as well. Okay. Old miss at Alabama. This is a really big game. It's a tight line. It's under a touchdown. Six and a half point favorites are the Crimson Tide. They've got quarterback problems. There are some rumors that maybe Milrow was suspended for the last game, and that's why Buckner got the start. I don't know what to make of that situation. Jackson Dart's kicking ass for Ole Miss right now. Something is something is it's stinky man in 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 tuscaloosa something is a little bit that all the sabinisms are out the window like he's he he is not doing the sabin things that normally happen Mm -hmm. like so i that makes this game really weird 
honestly. But I'm I'm going with Ole Miss. Oh, man, I want to go with Ole Miss. Like that's what my gut is telling me to do. Um, but maybe I have leaky gut. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh man. Um, I'm gonna go with Ole Miss. I it, I might have cursed your pick there, but I'm gonna go with Ole Miss as well. I. I I think right. the, if you just look at the quarterback, so often in, in this world, the games come down to the quarterback play and darts playing really well. This is the best defense he's yeah. played by far, but they haven't just played nobody's. They played Georgia tech. They played Tulane. I'm taking Ole Miss last game, Ohio state at Notre Dame. This is an awesome game. Notre Dame. Yes. The underdogs at home, three and a half point underdogs. This is a really tough game to pick too. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Ohio State because I'm I'm backing up what I was talking about on uh, the College Football Monday show is that Notre Dame's number nine, and they have looked very good. Sam Hartman has looked very good. But I don't think winning in Raleigh is the same as beating Ohio State, even though Notre Dame's at home. Ohio State is so much better than the Wolfpack, and the Wolfpack were in that game. So I'm going to take Ohio State to win and cover. I think that's fair. I'm going to take Notre Dame just because I feel like sometimes I have these visions of my wife outside watching the game on TV, just like getting really kind of pissed off. And then like me kind of sneaking over and being like, how's the game going? And she's like giving me all the reasons that Ohio state's like blowing it and what they're not doing. Right. And I'm getting one of those visions for this weekend. So I'm going I think Notre Dame not only could cover, but could win this. And there was a stat my wife told me tonight. I think their quarterback's 21 years old. And the stat is Sam Hartman is older than six NFL quarterbacks. Oh, because Sam Hartman's 35. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So six, he's older than, so there's a lot of maturity there uh, that I think could be. Without a doubt. Notre Dame could win the game. And if you just are looking at the way they've played, they have they have won their games and been more clean than Ohio State. Ohio State's getting it together. And you yeah. are closer to the situation, having a wife that you basically have Ohio State on in-house every week yeah. for your entire life. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, you're, you're, you're plugged in. Um, I just feel like they might. I don't know, man. I want to see Marcus. I want to see Marcus go into one of these games and win it before I pick him. Yeah, that's fair. Ohio State looked very good last week. Not that they were playing anybody tough, but they were good in all of the areas that they had been deficient in the games prior. So they're starting to really get their shit together. Yeah, and I, I noticed that about Marvin Harrison Jr. has just started to pick it up, and yep. and they're starting to look yep. good, but. And their defense is now looking good, and it was looking like trash a little bit early on. So we'll go opposite on that one. And that is going to do it. Hopefully, Hokies can pull off this victory in Huntington. Weird. This will end our very strange out-of-conference slate that we had this year. Two G5s, one on the road. Two Big Ten, one on the road. Ah, I'm ready to be done with it. I'm ready to be 2-2 two and two going into a susceptible pit team. That's what I want. I want that sellout that we have at home i want to be 500 going into that thing that i will be at oh you're going and it's my six-year-old daughter's that's right that's right ever and 
I was at the golf course the other day. I got a text from my wife. It said, oh, shit. And I said, what? She said, they announced the game time for Pitt, Virginia Tech. It's 8 p.m. and we're bringing our six-year-old daughter. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What is the what is the plan for the day? When, are you guys going to go down uh, later? And no, we're, we're going the night before. So we'll be there Friday night. So the plan for the day is to go check out Blacksburg, come back. We're staying about 40 minutes away. We'll drive back, let her sleep for a while, take like a nap, a all that okay. kind of stuff, then drive back down and hopefully catch like, you know, I think they have like the kids area and all that stuff down there. So uh, yeah, first football game ever. And it's an eight o'clock game. Woo! She's going to be sleeping in the stands by the fourth quarter. She's going to be a mess <laughs> on Sunday, just an absolute disaster. And we might, I don't know that we'll make it past halftime. Right. We'll probably make it through about halftime and we'll have to bail, but uh, she will get to see it. That's fun, man. Well, have a good time. Yeah. I will talk to you before that though. I have a, and, yes, and we might have to record on Tuesday next week. I will talk to you anyway. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the Sons of Saturday YouTube, Spotify, give us a review if you could. Make sure to like any of our YouTube videos, all that good stuff. And until next time, when we're hopefully celebrating a big win over Marshall, go Hokies. Go Hokies.